Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hey everyone, if you're anything like me, you find it difficult to stay focused among so many distractions. This is precisely why we created Focus Plus, an innovative nootropic supplement that delivers sustained and focused energy without the crash. It's made with clinically researched botanicals and bioactives with sustained release technology. So it gives you jitter-free energy that lasts all day so you can stay on task and get stuff done. I love this product as it's helped me consume a lot less coffee. So please give it a try. Visit shop.mindbodygreen.com and use code FOCUSPOD at checkout to enjoy 20% off your first order. Enjoy the show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We talk a lot about strength training around here, but have you ever thought about strength training your brain? After all, your memory is like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. That's why I'm so excited to have Jim Quick back on the show to discuss neurobics or aerobics for your neurons and his underrated tips to fire up your memory. For those who need a refresher, Jim is the guy on brain coaching. He's one of the top memory coaches in the country, a leading expert in brain optimization and a force for accelerated learning. His latest episode with us serves as a brain health bootcamp, and this time he's diving even deeper on the best mental exercises. So what are some of the less obvious little things that we're maybe doing daily that are slowly chipping away at our brain health. So I think it's important to have a to-do list and also a not to-do list. And so we could kind of switch back and forth uh, between in those uh, two areas. I realized very early on that the point of learning is application, that you listen to a podcast. The truth is all the podcasts and the books and the lectures, none of it works unless, unless we work it. You, know, you and I have talked about that quote in the book, limitless where it says life is the letter c between b and d where b is birth d is death life is c choice and i, I realize that there are four choices we could make if we want to make some kind of change and so pulling back at a, at a thirty thousand foot view we could either stop something we could start something we could do less of something or we could do more of something those are only four choices if we want to make an effective change and so i, I realized that to really simplify this at any given time we could start something new. We could start meditating or we could start journaling. We start reading. We could start exercising. We could stop something, eating those high sugar foods. We could stop, uh, you know, smoking. We could stop uh, something or we could do less of something. We could do less of the things that are not getting us to where we want to go. That could be draining our mental energy or focus. You could do less binge watching television, right? Or you could do more of something that you're already doing, right? If you're already kind of exercising, you know, you could be moving more. Right. If if you're already uh, meditating, potentially you can be meditating more. If you're eating those brain foods, you can be doing more more of it. I think some of the things that we the small little things um, are sometimes the big things. And so our our devices. So maybe we, maybe we could start there. Right. They're driving us to distraction. They're driving us to reaction. Uh, 
you know, we there. I talk about four supervillains in the book and how to overcome them, and they're driven by technology. They're not caused by technology, but they're definitely amplified. And I think people feel uh, digital overload, right? They feel digitally distracted. And there's something called digital dementia, where it's the high reliance on uh, like an external memory storage, so you don't have to use your own memory. And then this thing that I term digital deduction, where um, they found out that this generation, they're not making, uh, they, for the first time, they have less uh, ability to rationalize, to critically think than the previous generation. And they're attributing some of it to technology, where the technology is actually doing the thinking for us with algorithms, you know, and uh, it's kind of feeding us what, you know, how to be able to get from here to there, you know, simple maps uh, or, you know, what they recommend us to eat or, or simple, something simple like that. And so, you know, so I think that having a digital fast could be useful, you know, a digital detox, some people call it a dopamine detox. And I know it's not easy because the high reliance on technology for our work or for school or for communication, but it's been with my experience, we were working with clients that if you could even schedule 45 minutes and your phone, I think one of the most powerful, you know, functions on your phone is airplane mode, just turning it off and having white space to think, to be able to breathe. You know, the human brain wasn't set up to take in all this information. Like we have, we have unfeathered access to everything just through swipes and scrolling. And the brain, it's very depleting to the brain. If you're suffering from mental fatigue, going through all that, they call it context switch. I mean, you could go through thousands and thousands of uh, different contexts, you know, in, in, a, in a very short period of time. And the brain, you know, it lights up different parts of the brain. It's also kind of like a form of, uh, of multitasking. So I would start to sum this up, you know, getting in the habit of asking yourself, is this good for my brain or is this bad for my brain? Is what I'm watching or who I'm spending time with or what I'm consuming either through information or food as a form of information also as well is staying up and pulling all nighters. Is this good for my brain or is this bad for my brain? It's always being on my digital device. So I'm so like uh, high strung. Is this something that is good or is it something that could um, be detrimental? Also, I think one of the great habits to get into for all of us, since our brain controls everything. And if you want to master your mind is just getting the habit of filtering through what's important for you and what's serving your, your highest self as a opposed to what's pulling you back and realizing that the choices that we make, and we make so many unconscious choices throughout the day, mostly out of habit and, and routine. But when did we actually sit down and actually design those routines for greater productivity, for greater performance, for greater uh, prosperity, and also for greater peace of mind? Peace of mind is the highest currency, especially today with so much fear and so much stress through media and through social media. So, you know, I think a healthy dose of perspective and agency where we are that thermostat, not a thermometer. We don't have to react to every single thing. We could respond intelligently and, uh, and have a level of, of state management and cultivating that state regulation where, you know, if you're going through a storm right now, realizing some perspective that sometimes so there, there's some things we can only learn in a storm, right? And some storms come because they're there to to clear our path, but there's always something to be able to look forward to. And uh, I'm talking to the people who are really struggling right now. If you're wondering if you can survive, I'm sure there's been a time in your life where you thought you wouldn't survive, you know, but you did. If, you, if you're listening to this right now, you certainly did. And you will again, and you, you inspire people with your grit and, and your grace. 
So life, you know, it's, it comes down to making these choices. And sometimes we have to choose things that are hard, but sometimes by doing the hard thing, life gets a little bit easier. Sometimes if we do the easy things in life, uh, binge watch or procrastinate something and life gets harder over time also as well. So it, it, it is hard to be broke and it's hard to start a business or, you know, to make money. It's just, we, we make those choices. It, it's hard to be sick and unhealthy. And sometimes it's hard to, to, you know, to, to meal prep. It's hard to get yourself to move every single day, to go to bed at a certain time. And nobody gets it perfect. Limitless is not about being perfect. Limitless is about progress. It's about advancing and progressing. Oh, Cause I feel like in order for us to feel happy and feel fulfilled, you know, everything in nature does two things. It either, you know, it's green and it grows or it's brown and it rots. So we always have to be growing. And I also feel like everything in nature has to get back to the system, you know, get back to, uh, to the ecology. And when we're constant, when we grow and we give, then I, I feel like it's a nice foundation, you know, especially if we're grateful. Gratitude is also, uh, you know, something we hear all the time, but maybe because we hear it all the time, oh, we should be grateful and do these gratitude exercises and keep a, a gratitude journal that we dismiss it. Sometimes what keeps us from getting to the next level, some people call it mastery. I don't really use the word, you know, that word, because I feel like there's always another level. But sometimes what keeps us from that level of expertise or that growth is saying to ourselves, oh, I know that already. You know, I've heard this on, on, the, on the, you know, on the podcast before, right? You know, other, other people have talked about brain foods or getting a good night's sleep. And, but I, I realized many times with some of the most amazing high performers in the world that they lean into the fundamentals. They get really excited about, about the basics. And, uh, you know, I just want to remind everyone not to, not to lose that because that foundation really is that, that 80, 20 rule, that Pareto's principle, where, where 20% of your efforts is giving you 80% of the rewards. So, you know, I, I like it, you know, even in uh, parenting, right. With the kids, maybe you're really strict with their diet and this is what you have in the house, but they go to school or they go to a birthday party and, you know, they explore different, uh, sweets or processed foods, asking them afterwards, just like, how do you feel? you know, letting them sit with that a little bit. And, and I feel like ultimately we are our best coaches and that feedback is the, is the breakfast of, of superheroes. I've said a lot, but I'll tell to me that the core idea behind this is, is we have agency. We have agency over our mindset. We have a responsibility for our own motivation. We have a sovereignty when it comes to our own strategies in terms of what we choose to do on a regular basis. And you could ask yourself, you know, are these habits, the routines, behaviors, thoughts, actions are they getting me closer to who i really am you know remembering who you are or is it pulling me in a different direction then changing course you know every single day much like we do when we're driving or or an, or an airplane right it's just kind of am i getting closer to my this destination who i want to be do have what i want to share with the world or am i stalling am i getting a little stuck or i'm actually backsliding it's not necessarily easy but it's pretty simple Right. I think most people who are listening to this, they probably have forgotten more because they, they listen to all this and maybe they probably forgotten more about health and wellness and self growth and personal development more than most of their friends and most of their family. Right. But also it's a good, nice to be an ex inspiring example for somebody else. Yeah. So I, I would, I would kind of, kind of pause there with, with everybody just realizing that we have decisions every single day and we make thousands of them consciously and unconsciously. 
and that these difficult times, they could distract you, they could diminish you, or they could develop you. You know, ultimately we decide with those choices. So maybe I'll, I'll offer everybody up a challenge. You know, if you want to, what's one thing you should stop? What's one thing you should start? What's one thing you, you want to do less of? And what's maybe one thing you want to do a little bit more of? Because the fifth option is do nothing, right? But then nothing changes. If nothing changes, nothing changes, right? So insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We've heard that countless times. But are we living that way? And so like small little choices, like being conscious of the things that might be depleting us, the foods or the information, the digital devices, or are we feeding our body, our mind, things that are nourishing? Because what you nourish flourishes, right? But sometimes we're on autopilot and we're not really standing guard to our mind or our body. And then we suffer the consequences. So you mentioned being on autopilot and our reliance on devices. And I want to bring it back there. You know, you mentioned maps and... I grew up in a time when there was no Google and there were no cell phones. And so I think of two things that I had to know by heart. I knew probably 50 to 100 phone numbers by heart. Granted, there were no area codes because everyone lived, most of my friends were, were local, although I, I did have a handful of friends that weren't. But I knew those phone numbers by heart. Maps. I knew definitely the town I lived in and the surrounding towns and even greater parts of Long Island and Westchester in Connecticut, but because I traveled there in Jersey by heart. And I think of those muscles today, huh? I know my mother's phone number. I know my wife's phone number. I know 911. <laughs> That's about it. And then with maps, I even find myself, I know we live in Miami. I know my way around for the most part where we live and where our kids go to school, but I still plug in the phone and look at maps. And I'm thinking to myself, these were really important cognitive muscles that I've maybe completely lost. And I, I'm, I'm trying to reconcile this with you. Is this a good thing? Maybe it wasn't the best use of my cognitive uh, firepower, if you will, or and it's better, I'm better served thinking about other things, or, or maybe this is a mistake. I should try to start to remember phone numbers and not rely on Google Maps for everything. Well, I, I could tell you if it's been my experience, and you know, this is, I'm also in the 50 and older kind of category, so I, I could definitely relate to not having to remember, I mean, remembering numbers back then and not having to do so now. So let, let's let's unpack this a little bit. So let's talk about the maps first. There was, there was a study done with uh, in London with London taxi drivers, and they found that uh, they have to do a rigorous testing where they have to prepare and study for, uh, for years in order to pass uh, their exam and know really all the roads in their locale. And because of it, there was uh, parts of their brain that were more, more dense, right? That were, that were bigger and had more connections. And it's a testament that with neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, that with novelty and study, you know, learning that our brain adapts and it grows that as the phrase goes, that brain cells that fire together, they wire together. And this is something that has been shown even, you know, even using your body in different ways. There's a study done at Oxford University that showed that jug jugglers, just the act of learning how to juggle, which you could do on YouTube, actually builds more white matter. The jugglers actually have bigger brains. So your brain is the ultimate adaptation tool, just like your, your body. And, your, and obviously your brain is part of your body. And I would correlate this with just how physical we are. 
So yes, we don't have to use certain mental faculties to remember numbers or remember how to get from here to there where before we would need to and we would exercise those mental muscles, but also physically with technology, let's say uh, cars and elevators, we don't have to take the stairs, right? We don't have to uh, to walk 10 blocks. We, you know, we could take a car or, or some kind of Lyft or Uber. And yes, so all that technology for your physical body is convenient. And just the idea here, though, is this principle of use it or lose it, right? If you want to keep in shape, technically, we could just sit all day. Technically, we could just sit on our screens, but then it becomes the future. Like, I don't know if people sell Wally, <laughs> um, but I'm sure some people will, will remember kind of what the future looks like, you know, where, where everybody is, uh, is obese and overweight and they're sitting in their chairs that move them from here to there. They're sitting on their screens and drinking their their soft drinks and and you know it's a, it's a sad commentary but we see the stats in terms of things like obesity and as our dr daniel amen always says as our waistband increases the size of her brain decreases and so yes it's very convenient to have an elevator or a car just like it's very convenient to have a, a phone or some kind of gps system to get us from here to there or to keep our phone numbers and I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers, but it should be concerned we've lost the ability to remember one phone number or a passcode or a seed phrase, you know, or something we just read or something we were just about to do or some conversation that we just had or a meeting that we were going to have or, you know, someone's name that we just, you know, we heard four or five times that we should definitely know by now. But sometimes I feel like it makes us like mentally a little bit lazy. What can we do to kind of keep the activity? And I'm not saying get rid of your technology. I'm, I'm very pro-technology, but also I don't want it to cripple me. I don't want that convenience to cripple me. So I think everything in some kind of harmony and that's everyone's individual choice like who am i to say like hey ditch your phone or you know don't use it or not or you know take the stairs right it's just if but if we're looking for an outcome and i'm i'm, I'm suggesting that we use our mental activity and our memory is like a muscle we use it or we lose it and i want people to understand that once you understand how your memory works you could work your memory once you're more physically fit i think life is just easier right if you need to climb that metaphorical mountain you're going to do it with greater ease and, and enjoyment because uh, you're you know you have you have a strength you have a flexibility you have an endurance you have vitality well i want we're climbing mental mountains all the time you know you know think about our inbox think about all your to-dos and i want people to feel mentally stronger and mentally more viable and more flexible and quicker and greater levels of energy and endurance to go through and do what they need to do in the book we talk about those two factors you know the fact that we forget phone numbers is what they call in healthcare digital dementia and uh you know getting from here to there where we're, we don't have the visual spatial intelligence and we're not developing that as much i called it uh, digital deduction but it's one of those things where again i'm not saying i think the pendulum switches and how do you reconcile that is some form of balance look everyone's pressed for time but many people get in their cars every day whether they like it or not would would we be better served if we said, all right, you know what, today I'm going to turn off the maps and I'm going to navigate by myself. Is that a good use in terms of getting the brain firing in a way where we're... I would say for non-high importance, like you don't, you're not, you know, the minutes, maybe it's okay if you fumble, you know, I just want people to have to, tr to know their brain and to, to trust their brain again. So many people lack confidence because they lack 
mental competence. And so my, my thing is like, same thing as I would say, like if I need to go to the bank and it happens to be 10 blocks, you know, if time is not pressing, you know, I'd, I'd like to get my steps in, you know, because walking is so important for the brain. You know, that's one of the reasons why children learning how to crawl as your body moves, your brain grooves and makes new connections. You know, when you move your body, you create brain derived neurotropic factors, which is like uh, BDNF, which is like fertilizer for neuroplasticity and neurogenesis. So the same thinking that I would say like, hey, if I had to go, you know, go for that walk or take the stairs, instead of taking the elevator up four floors, I would have the same level of thinking uh, and, you know, kind of idea and inspiration, whether or not, you know, hey, maybe I won't rely on this. I've taken this trip to the coffee shop a bunch of times. Maybe I don't need this. And if I, it costs me a minute or two, you know, it's worth it just to activate that part of my brain that might be a little bit sedated or non-active. And so I'm not saying you have to do it all the time. I train a lot of speakers to uh, memorize their speeches. And I feel like, you know, after you do it for a while, you just get mentally tough. So I get to see a script or bullets and kind of see it and just review it a couple of times. And it's so easy for me just to not have to rely on a teleprompter, have to rely on a PowerPoint presentation because I've, I've had mental muscles you know, for that activity, just like somebody who does some kind of form of exercise, high intensity training, weightlifting, that they show up different, right? In, in the world, they're not, you know, they, they are not as, as, as fragile. They have some form of, you know, resilience and, and capabilities. And I would just like to say, it's trying to explain somebody what it's like to, to you know, to read a book a day or remember languages, or remember a speech or the kind of things we train people how to do. It's kind of like explaining to somebody trying to explain like what a rose smells like or a great song who's never heard it or sort of smelt it. But I'm, I'm here to say that we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 20 years than the previous 2000 years combined. And we found is we're, we're gross, grossly underestimating our own capabilities. And if people get nothing else out of this, it's just to be more mentally active. You know, something simple like reading. Reading is to, to your mind what exercise is to your body. But are you really spending time reading? Not not just social media, short little sound bites. But are you know are you exercising your mind and exposing yourself to new ideas? Because there's this quote that said, "A person's mind, once stretched by a new idea, never regains its original dimensions." Oliver Wendell Holmes. And I would suggest people to you know embrace this again. So many the two dips we see because we have a lot of data. We have students in every country in the world. We have the largest accelerated learning platform teaching these things, and we find that the two Bips and dips in cognitive performance usually comes when people graduate school because somehow unconsciously they think, oh, my education's over, so my learning is over. And usually when people retire, it's usually when people retire their minds, it's unfortunate because their bodies isn't you know that that far behind. So I would just say, as we know how important physical fitness is and physical activity is, I would just stress that mental activity, you know, is important. But sometimes we forget like as we're scrolling through, we think we're doing mental activity when we're just being busy. We're just bombarding our mind with stimulus. And there's a difference between a signal and a noise, right? And I always tell people it's not even about time management. It's really about priority management. The most important things to keep the most important thing, the most important things, right? And to the degree we could prioritize the things that are most important and focus on the things that are most important to us. And it's different for every single person, right? Like who might to say what's most important to somebody else? But just ask yourself the simple question, 
what's most important to me in my life? Start there and just kind of reconnect with the things that we hold dear. Maybe it's love, maybe it's growth, maybe it's contribution, maybe it's a sense of adventure. And then you could ask yourself a second question saying, are my actions every day, are they supportive you know, me for these values or are they pulling me away from these values? Because I think a lot of people are burnt out not because geez, and they're doing too much. Sometimes we're burnt out because we're doing too little of the things that, that are important to us, the things that make us, you know, light us up, the things that make us come alive. So I would just say, if you want to have the better visual spatial awareness, go to the gym, you know, and maybe turn off that technology and, and test yourself, right? And, and trust yourself again. I feel like as we get better at some things, our capability grows, we can handle other things. It's been my experience that how you do anything is how you do everything. Just the same reason when we talk about morning routines and trying to do, do something difficult first thing in the morning, like something simple, like brushing your teeth with the opposite hand or, or taking a cold shower, right? It just, it pushes yourself to do something that's uncomfortable. And then you take that same attitude and same resilience into things that matter, like having a difficult conversation with your kids that you've been avoiding or something difficult at, at work, right? Or going on stage and making those videos or doing that public speaking, finding comfort in, in being uncomfortable. So I love the example of brushing your teeth with your, your weak hand. Are there any other mental exercises that don't take a lot of time that we should just starting right now incorporate into our day if we're concerned about cognitive decline? Yeah, so it's whole area called neurobics. Uh, so instead of aerobics, you know, for your body, these are neurobics exercises for your mind. Little things that don't take a lot of time that challenge yourself in situations that are safe and not time consuming. So by the way, like so when you when you brush your teeth with the opposite hand, part of it it, it activates a different part of your brain right? Because your right side of your brain controls your left side of your body and your left side of your brain controls the right side of your body, right? Anything below the neck, right? And so it's not just a one-way communication, it's, it's, it's two-way. So that way, you know, just uh, using your, your brain obviously affects your body, but using your body affects different parts of your brain. So potentially using your opposite hand and not just for brushing your teeth, for let's say eating or learning how to write, right? It stimulates a different part of your brain. But not only that, it's a nice um, way to force yourself to be present. I mentioned that memory is not, you know, something you have, it's something that, that you can get fit, right? You get stronger. Uh, same thing with your level of focus. And by brushing your teeth or eating with the opposite hand, it forces you to focus on that activity and to be mindful of the activity instead of your mind distracting you and thinking about all the other stuff. And so I think the exercise is to exercise a different part of your brain is to be present because doing something novel forces you to focus. And I think that focus bleeds in other area of your life when you're on Zoom and other things. And also it's a nice gateway habit to saying, wow, I, I this starts feeling second nature. I could start brushing my teeth with the opposite hand or eating with the opposite hand. And what other new habits can I add into my life? So it kind of becomes like that gateway habit that's simple and easy that you say, okay, well, maybe I could explore other habits like gratitude or exercise or some other area. Um, so I would say using your opposite hand throughout the day will be uh, very stimulating for your brain. Even watching something passive, like most times, you know, I like reading because it's 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 active. Audiobooks tend to be not so active or television not so active because they're just feeding you the information. With reading, you have to really get involved, right? But you can make any activity more active. 
you can even bring mindfulness into eating. You can even, when you watch, you know, I was on this going down this kind of Sherlock Holmes kick, you know, when I do it, it's not passive. And I'm not saying you can't just sit back and enjoy a good film. What I'm saying is that if you choose to exercise your mind, you could think about like, what would I have done in that situation? Or what can I learn from what this character is, is going through? With Sherlock Holmes, it's great because I find that I'm like super observant, right? Like Sherlock Holmes, the the incredible detective, he observes and then he deduces. And just watching his strategy, I'm like thinking about, oh wow, I could write a book or a chapter on his own genius. And so I feel like you could take little things that you could do to activate your brain in different ways is use a different body part. It could be, you know, showering with your eyes closed. Uh, if you could do it safely, you know, not lose your balance. But, you know, even little things like, you know, closing your eyes helps you to develop other senses as you're doing it. And you're not going to do anything well at the first time. But I think also getting yourself in the mode where you're just pliable, right? You're adaptable, kind of like a baby and, you know, how, how flexible that they are. If we could be more mentally flexible, if we can entertain an idea that we heard on social media and not automatically judge and hate or whatever it happens to be and be able to, to sit with it and, and even hold two opposing opinions, right? It requires a learning agility. And I'm not saying it means that you validate what's being said, but I'm just saying that we don't have to just automatically react, have some kind of you know emo emotional feeling response to something where our nervous system just gets you know highly ratcheted and revved up, you know, because it was just presented with some kind of stimulus, right? And I'm not saying it's easy at all, but I'm do saying that it's a training. People when they meditate, they could train, you know, taking chaos and and finding peace inside of the this storm that we talked about. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And you mentioned watching Sherlock Holmes, and I, I'm really liking this idea of how we can watch television better. Because look, TV is going to happen. And you know what immediately came came to mind for me, I'm a sports fan, and I, I also am a huge believer in exercise and playing sports. And it's better to get off the couch and actually exercise and play versus watch. But look, we all love to watch, including me. And I'm thinking, okay, a better way to watch is really to maybe you know, look at the players, maybe look at the movement, the strategy, see what's happening. If it's a team sport, is there a play? Like, let's see what's, and really trying to immerse yourself in the experience could be a, a better, more productive way to actually enjoy the sporting event. Yeah, I, I love that, you know, and for me, this is the same thing. You know, I'm not, I, I stopped watching sports more in, in college just because I found that I was spending uh, like an enormous amount of time keeping up to date with everything. And that was choice, but I, I enjoy a good game for, for especially, you know, cause I love watching high performance and we get to work with a lot of athletes, you know, in the, in the space and, and love to be able to support them, but also learn at the same time with Sherlock home, you know, I've, I've just garnered lessons from, from watching and, and reading. 
right? And that's first of all, like cultivating the art of mindfulness. You know, I'm just watching it and watching how mindful he is, you know, going through and, and being uh, presented with various situations and dilemmas. Uh, this idea that you observe, you don't just see that life is happening all around us. And as the peaceful warrior talks about, there are no ordinary moments, but just, you know, noticing how he could see this, like the subtleties, the nuances, the patterns in, in situations, he sees something that's invisible to somebody else because they're not training their brain to pick up on these, you know, and, and you could do that by actively engaging with your environment, by question, questioning anomalies, right? By seeking the unusual in the usual. He's an ex example, another thing of continuous learning. He has vast knowledge and it's not confined to criminal criminology, right? It's, he knows everything from the, this kind of tobacco ashes to these obscure poisons, right? That he tests. He has this wide, you know, expert, very varied. And so he could, he has this embrace for, for new knowledge. He practices the art of, uh, and science of deductive reasoning. He doesn't jump to conclusions. You know, he, 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 he arrives at them, right? He learns to piece together information and he weighs pieces of data and evidence, and he follows a very logical path to conclusions. Even in a number of episodes, uh, and, and in the books, he talks about a mind palace, which I've talked about memory palaces, mind palace is another word for it. But one of Sherlock's most famed techniques is the memory, the mind palace. It's a mnemonic device. And and while he's creating an actual palace in your mind, you know, if you're going to do it, it sounds a little bit daunting, but the core principle is about associating images around locations that you're very familiar with. And that's how he stores information. He doesn't see things as problems. He looks at everything's like, like it's a puzzle. You know, that's a mental attitude. That's a mind shift, right? It's, it's a mindset where he embraces challenge as, as a puzzle. It's just waiting to be solved, adopting this mindset for anybody can you know, not only make obstacles more engaging, but it also trains your brain to actively search for solutions, right? So when you're faced with a problem, ask yourself, you know, I'll even ask myself, what would Sherlock do? You know, it's something silly like that I could try on because I've watched so much of it. I've read so much of his work. I could put on, you know, his, you know, hat or, or walk in his shoes and come to similar conclusions. And that's a wonderful way to get out of our own way. Because often when we're faced with a decision or a dilemma or a dangerous or some kind of situation, we're stuck because we go to our default and this is how we approach a problem. But if you said like, oh yeah, like, you know, what would somebody who is five times smarter than me, how would they look at this problem? What options would they see? If I was a creative person and just actually think about the creative, most creative person you know, you know, how would, what, what would they be? Would they be daunted or how would they see things different? And even like with Sherlock's also, you know, he was a collaborator. He, he worked with Watson. While Sherlock is, un, is undoubtedly brilliant, Watson has a, has a grounded perspective as a, as a medical doctor, right? And could said, shed a spotlight on aspects that Sherlock could, could overlook. And so it's just, this is kind of a taste in terms of uh, this just happens to be, you know, what our family is kind of consuming of recent for entertainment, but it could be also empowering at the same way. So you can still get some relaxation in there and then just get curious. Cause I feel like we can learn, especially through fiction, right? Nonfiction, you learn through information, but fiction, you re you learn through imagination, right? And, and even this, a lot of fiction has been shown to improve your EQ which is your emotional quotient. So instead of just learning a lot of data, it, it improves your level of empathy, greater empathy, greater your ability to switch perceptual positions through a narrative, you know, to feel what the characters are going through at any given time, come up with creative solutions and, and all of that. So I, I, yeah, I just feel like everybody, and you could just take your 
person to model. You could, and you could be famous or non-famous. It could be fiction or, or non-fiction. You could go and just, just study what Leonardo da Vinci, you know, Marie Curie, you know, trailblazing scientists and emulate like her persistence, her resilience, you know, her uh, amazing deep focus, right? She was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize in two different scientific fields. Like that's amazing. Nobody did that before, you know, it's, it's just incredible. Or, you know, learned how to reconcile through studying, uh, you know, the, the, the life of Nelson Mandela or how to have nonviolent revolutionary, like as, uh, as my, Gandhi, guys, Gandhi, you know, so there's so many different ways that we could just be learning, even through like, let's say you're, you're in school and you're studying, I don't know, like Greek mythology, and you just want to study Athena, you know, the goddess of, of wisdom and skills you want to emulate there, wisdom, strategy, not just uh, warfare. Athena represents like a blend of intelligence with with action. And so, or I'm watching with my son, I'm watching Star Wars, you know, introducing him to Star Wars and Yoda is just the wise mentor, right? The skills and, and, and character traits to emulate. I'm thinking like I'm watching this. Wow. Patience, incredible amount of foresight, coaching and mentorship. Yoda teaches, emphasize, you know, the value of, of experiences and learning from failures, you know, no try is either do or don't do. I have a lot of passion for this because when people tell me like they're just bored, I'm just like, how, how can you be bored? Like, like, like we have so much, we're, we're so blessed as hard as the world is. And I'm not discounting that beside the you know, other generations when do we have access unfeathered access to everything i get excited about that you know and and the interface between all of this is our mind and our body right and i just feel like it's an exciting time to be alive i have the sense of possibility that everyone who's listening to this right now can choose to be a, a creator and, and choose to be a, a pilot of their life and not not just a passenger so you mentioned i think the deep focus of marie curie if i had that right and I think most people, well, maybe not most people, but I certainly off experience a mid-afternoon slump sometimes around 2 p.m. What should we do when faced with that mid-afternoon slump when we're maybe having a little bit of trouble focusing or concentrating? You know, I'm a big believer in sometimes if all you have is 40% and you get 40%, you've given 100%. I tweeted that out years ago. Part of it is you can reach, but the brain is not meant to go at, at, at high velocity all the time. So when you're having your afternoon slump, usually it's between two o'clock and four o'clock, knowing that you're getting diminishing returns on your efforts, right? And you're going to make more mistakes, you know, when you're tired uh, and exhausted, is that's a perfect time to take a pit stop, just like a car, and do some self-care. You know, I always talk about doing a brain break. And during your brain break, you do three things that are nourishing for you, three things that your brain needs. You move, you hydrate, and you breathe. Something simple like that. The brain is only 2% of your body mass, but it requires 20% of the, of the energy and the nutrients. If you're dehydrated just 2%, it dramatically throws off your focus. It dramatically throws off your levels of energy and vitality. It dramatically throws off your ability to tap into that executive functioning. And just staying hydrated can boost your reaction time and your thinking speed upwards of 30%. So sometimes like if you have that afternoon time where you're getting a lull and you're not going to be as productive and you know it instead of pushing through it is learning and listening to your body and, and your brain and your, your mind and taking a rest right getting some fresh air or take some 10 minutes to walk the dogs people say like i'm too busy to like go for a walk or to meditate if you're so stressed out and so busy you can't even spend 15 minutes offline to like meditate then i you need to do it for like an hour <laughs> 
You know what I mean? And so I feel like that, um, so if, if you have that lull at two to four, that's a wonderful time to, to take a rest, take a break, to hydrate, to do some deep breathing, some box breathing, some movement, you know, also as well, maybe just a quick run or some sprints um, or slow down and completely and, and meditate and take some time for yourself and come back rejuvenated, come back refreshed. In my new book, you know, Limitless Expanded, we talk about potentially some supplements that you might be lacking, you know, in your system. And people could go to their doctor, do a nutrient profile. But if you're lacking vitamin D, if you're lacking your B vitamins, which are your brain vitamins, if you're lacking your omega-3s, your DHAs, it could severely compromise your hardware, you know, your brain itself. Like we're talking about processes, like how to read faster, how to remember names, but also that's software. You also have to take care of your hardware, which is the physical organ itself. It's just like, imagine you were given a car when you turned of driving age. And, but this is the thing it's given to you for free, but this is the only vehicle you have for the rest of your life. How well would you maintain this car? You, know, you wouldn't run it on empty. You know, you, you wouldn't not take care of it. You wouldn't put the wrong fuel in it. You wouldn't fill it with just this the compromised fuel. You would treat it as, you know, as what it is, or if you compare it to a high performance car or, or a prized, you know, million dollar racehorse, because we have this vehicle that we're born with, that we're given, but this is the only vehicle and I'm pointing for people listening, you know, to my body and to my brain, which my, you know, obviously your brain is part of your body, but, um, you know, self-care is not, is not selfish. And also there's, there's nootropics, you know, people want to explore different things. One of my favorite things is, uh, creatine. You know, most people associate creatine to working out and certainly you get a boost with that if you're doing physical exercise, but it also, it is incredibly good for your brain health. Now I would stipulate, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a medical doctor, but I just read all these white papers, all these studies. And I find that there's little things that people could do that could give them a dramatic boost in their brain power. Some people, uh, they prefer, uh, mushrooms like cordyceps or reishi to help kind of regulate some, some adaptogens, uh, maybe lion's mane which is unique. Uh, some people call it uh, nootropic because it has uh, neuroprotective effects. Research has shown that it could stimulate the synthesis of uh, nerve growth factor in the brain, and which could enhance your cognition. It could help reduce inflammation and promote overall brain health. Right. And so like little things that we potentially add, and again, search for the thing that works for you. Not everything is for everybody. Like I've mentioned numerous times on, on our podcast and the book, like turmeric, you know, is, is great, but it's this, the curcumin that's in there. That's an active ingredient in turmeric has uh, potential anti-inflammatory effects and antioxidant benefits also as well. Uh, it could potentially cross the blood brain barrier and has been shown in particular to help with potentially uh, stave off Alzheimer's disease. But these are just little things that we could absorb through our foods. And if we're not getting it through our foods, because we have a fast lifestyle, potentially adding into our diet or into our, our regimen. I, again, I prefer people get it from foods. Like if you eat eggs, the choline in eggs is very good. But if you're not eating eggs, because it's not part of your diet, you could supplement with choline. And choline is a precursor to acetylcholine, which is amazing for your focus, amazing for your memory. Magnesium, you need magnesium for, for every, almost every physiological effect in, in your body, you know, so that could be very good. People could look into things like Bacopa or Rhodiola. There's been a number of studies, the double blind crossover studies that, that have been shown that it helps with, you know, brain health also as well. What the, the new book, Limitless Expanded, is really to talk about momentum. Like there, you know, once you have your mindset, your motivation and the methods for accelerated learning and processing information, have better focus, better memory, speed reading, all the things that we teach in the book, you know, then we really want to focus on how do you keep that momentum? 
And one of the ways you could do it is through supplementation and through an area of science called neuronutrition. You're mentioning many of my favorite supplements that I take daily and some of my favorite superfoods, including eggs. What One you did not mention, which I, I'm curious your take on, uh, coffee. What about black coffee and brain benefits? So coffee has been shown to... Uh, to help reduce potential Alzheimer's and, and brain aging. You know, certainly people get an energetic lift and that helps them to be able to focus. So caffeine could be classified by some as a nootropic. So I, I love a good cup of coffee. I, ha I have to be very careful because I'm sensitive to caffeine. So I can't have it past noon. I find that it stays in my system a good 10 hours. Maybe I don't metabolize it as quickly, so I'm very more sensitive to it. But I, I switch between coffee, like there's also a coffee fruit extract that's also beneficial as supplementation. My, my go-to is is more in the area of uh, like green tea, just because my family just, we drank a lot of tea growing up, so that's more for me, but it could be a, a cultural thing. But certainly there's studies that show that that coffee, I, I think most people who are listening are, you know, are fans and, and use it. You just have to be careful. Like they, they, they say, you know, research suggests you don't want to have coffee first thing in the morning, and that's most people's go-to. They say to wait uh, about 90 minutes first, you know, and maybe the first thing in your body is not that because it could also be, uh, it could take water out of your system. Something that we, you would probably want to take before coffee is, you know, take your green juice or take uh, your electrolytes, your potassium, your sodium. I will uh, chug 36 ounces of water with electrolytes and then... 10 minutes later, I'm having my black coffee. And then that, the research team seems to be supportive of that also as well. It also helps mitigate the big crash that sometimes people, some people feel, you know, after, after drinking coffee first thing. So I, I know you're short on time and I, I want to touch on it because it, it, it's, it's just so insightful and fun. The four brain types. Can we, can we close with the, the four brain types? This is what I love about this new book more and probably uh, it's going to help people the most. So I realized that just how, when people come to me and they want to read faster, improve their memory, uh, have better focus. I realized that everybody has a different way of learning, that it's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart? It's not how smart your kids are. It's how are they smart? And I could put people into four cognitive uh, types and I call them your brain animal. So there's a simple quiz people could go to. There's nothing to buy. It's just four minutes. It's free. We put it online. Hundreds of thousands of people have gone through it. It's at mybrainanimal.com. And when you go through it, you find out what your brain code is, C-O-D-E. And that's an abbreviation, an acronym for the four animals. So when you go through it, you actually, I'll give you a detailed report based on your brain animal, how you prefer to learn. So this is how you, I would approach your productivity. This is how I approach your study, your focus, your reading faster, your memory, and, and even your negotiation, your team building, and so much more, how you lead. And so the C in code stands for your cheetah. And these are the fast actors. These are people that really thrive in fast-paced environments. They're, they have a strong intuition. They adapt very quickly. The O are your owls and your owls are very logical, as you would imagine an owl is. They love data, they love facts, they love figures. Now notice, even just the short amount of information I gave you, a cheetah and an owl would buy different. They would learn different, they would read different. They would also uh, invest differently, you know, also as well, right? So it's interesting. The D are your dolphins and your dolphins are your creative visionaries. These are people who are great 
at pattern recognition. They have a vision usually for themselves or others or their business that maybe some people can't see yet. They have an incredible uh, imagination and creativity. And finally, the E in code are your elephants. And your elephants are your collaborators. They work really well with people. They have strong interpersonal skills. They have strong levels of empathy. Uh, for them, they like to learn not so much solo, but more social. You know, they're very loyal. They love things like book clubs, and, you know, and team, team activities and communication. So even when I go through these, once you understand and what animal you are and the ones around you, it explains a whole lot. You get to know yourself in a different way. And it's kind of a fun quiz. I would be curious if people posted, we give people some art, you know, when they, you know, of the animal that they are. And I challenge everyone to actually post it and tag both of us in it. And so we get to see it and I'll repost some of my favorites and see, and tell me if it's accurate or not. And for 95% of the people, it absolutely is. And just so like, if we were talking about like fantasy and stuff like that, like I'm, I'm reading, oh, we have a, a nine month old and I'm reading of Harry Potter and just, I'm going through it. I'm like, okay, Harry Potter is a cheetah fast acting intuition, you know, Hermione is definitely the logical owl with the amount of research she does and the amount of reading she does. I would say Hagrid holds everyone together. He's definitely the elephant, right? Dumbledore, the, the leader is the dolphin by far, the, the creative genius, the wizard that has a vision for everybody at the school and so much more. But I start seeing it everywhere. I'm like, Luke Skywalker is a cheetah, right? Captain Picard is a, is a cheetah. Data is the owl, right? You know, Counselor Troy is the empath, the therapist that really understands has high levels of empathy. So I start seeing this everywhere. And once you take the quiz, it's kind of like people taking a health like a personalized medicine, like, you know, you know, maybe not everything's for everybody, but you find what works for you or personalized nutrition, right? So this is like what you'll get after you go to the uh, mybrainanimal.com is uh, personalized reports, like personalized learning based on your brain animal type. So I'm, I'm curious if you share it with your team, which most people do, like we notice that everyone, every single person in customer experience, customer support, they're all elephants high levels of empathy, loyalty, they're there for you, they have your backs. You know, our CFO is an owl. And you want your CFO to be very logical, right? Number, very number data, you know, generated. You don't want your CFO to be creative. Right, right, exactly, exactly. To some degree, we'll have, we'll have some level of creativity, but not with the numbers. And our CEO is, is our creative visionary, and she's, she's our CEO, my business partner, is, an, is definitely a dolphin, you know? And it's so, it's, it's so wonderful. And so all the research we put into uh, Limitless Expanded, I pulled when I created this assessment for clients years ago, I pulled from preferred learning styles, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. I pulled from multiple intelligence theory, you know, how gardeners work out of Harvard. I pulled out of introverts, extroverts, ambiverts, you know, pulled from personality types like Myers-Briggs, um, so many, left brain, right brain, brain uh, lateralization, dominance theory, you know, and so I was inspired by a lot of various science and then psychological tests. And this is kind of something fun you could do. Everyone likes to know, like, what, what Game of Thrones character am I, you know, the kind of thing. So yeah, I invite people to do that. And also so much more in the book. Yeah, the, the quiz is it's just a tremendous, fun, free resource. I encourage everyone to take it along with, uh, pick up the book, I'll hold it up, Limitless. It, it is just tremendous for anyone concerned about their cognitive well-being, which is everyone. We, we all should be. I think that's pretty clear. It is just such a tremendous resource. So I encourage everyone to pick it up. Is, is there anything else, Jim, we haven't touched on? I want to thank you. You know, like having had my traumatic brain injury as a child and having learning difficulties, you know, my mother became a special education teacher in the public school system 
to help me with my learning difficulties and having lost my grandmother to Alzheimer's, you know, really puts me on a track of taking my mess and turning into my message. And so I want to thank you for helping us, you know, share this with your community. The main thing I want to say is that your brain is your, your number one asset that, that you have and doesn't come with an owner's manual. It's not always user-friendly. So if you're struggling with your focus, your forgetfulness, your, your level of happiness, you know, your, your stress levels, your, your, what you're outputting, you know, it's not, it's not your fault. We're just not shown. There are no classes on how to do this back in school. So I, I wrote Limitless Expanded as a current owner's manual for a post-pandemic AI world where it could help you not only catch up and keep up, but really get ahead. I just feel like that there's a version of yourself that's patiently waiting. And the goal is we show up for ourselves every single day and we show up for others every single day until, until we're introduced. Amen. Jim, thank you so much. Thank you so much.